And we are moments away from another episode of The Split Decision. I'm your host, Rob Aguilar. But first, I'd like to tell you about a brand that supports this show, and uh, we support it because it always sponsors us. They are Roan Jewelry. And you can check them out at www.roanjewelry.com. That's R-O-A-N jewelry.com. They have great gifts for that special woman in your life, your girlfriend, your mom, your sister. And check them out. They have lots of fall specials going on with the holiday seasons right around the corner. You definitely do not want to miss out on all that good stuff. We have a great show planned for you tonight so I want you to stick around and do not go away tonight we have a really great show lined up we have a great interview with Maureen the real million dollar baby Shay Uh, she is visiting New York this weekend we were able to sit down and, and talk we touched on a lot of interesting things, uh, how she got her start in boxing, what drew her to this sport, and also on some real personal things we talked about, depression and how she copes with depression and how boxing became an outlet to that. And I, lo- I know that it's very courageous when people speak about those things because they're very personal. And I I admire her take on these things because if someone out there listening can relate to her and see that there is hope, that when you do feel down and out, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, uh, I think that's very heroic and courageous. So we have a really great interview lined up. I want you to stick around and listen to that. You can follow Maureen at Twitter, on Twitter, at twitter.com slash Maureen Shea and Shea spelled S-H-E-A so you make sure you uh, follow her let her know that uh, you heard this interview on the split decision with Rob Aguilar and I want you to stick around and enjoy this interview so we're going to have this interview lined up as soon as we come back from a commercial break so stick around do not go away And today we are proud to have Maureen, the real million dollar baby, Shay. Maureen, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. You are uh, visiting New York this week? I am. Actually, (laughs) my dream for my whole life has always been to be bi-coastal. And I was born and raised in the Bronx. And I have my aunt. My mom is an identical twin. And my aunt lives in California. So I've always pretty much gone back and forth between New York, California, and even Mexico. I spent a lot of time in Mexico, um, being that I'm half Mexican, half Irish. And um, so I've, oh, my dream has always been to be bi-coastal. I struggle a little bit in the winters here. I have, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a little bit, I get depressed. It's, it's a little harder for me in the winters um, emotionally. So um, I, I was on medications a little bit uh, growing up and stuff, and I tried different medications, but they didn't really work for me. So I figured, you know what, let me try to be bi-coastal because being in the sun helps me. Uh-huh. And so I decided that that was going to be a, 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 something I wanted to achieve. And um, 
after years of really, really trying to do it, I finally had the courage to go out there. And um, I knew of a trainer out there, Joseph Janik, who I had trained with in the past. I'd worked with him in the past. And uh, Robert Ferguson, my nutritionist, is out there. So I said, you know what? It just seemed like all the arrows were pointing towards Ventura. And I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I did it. And so I've been, now I'm finally, I'm, I have my place here in New York. I'm, I'm settled here, and now I have my place in California. I had to really submerge myself in California to really feel the environment, get to know the people, feel the location, make sure that I was at peace there, and um, to know that's where I wanted to be and know that I, you know, come back to New York. I know where, I, when I come back to New York, I know where I want to be. I want to be in the Bronx. <laughs> that's where I was born. That's where I was raised. I'm not going to leave here. So, um, I'm, you know, going back and forth now, I finally am able to achieve that. So I'm here in New York for about a month. I'm getting things. I'm getting things situated, so I'm still trying to finish things up. Is like New York still home? You know, it's so funny because I, you know, when I'm in New York, I'm home. When I'm in California, when I'm in Ventura, it's, it's my boxing home. It's, it's weird. To, I don't train. I trained here in New York for seven years, and um, I have to say, training in California for me personally is healthier for me. Whether it's because I can, I'm better in the winters out there, so I'm more consistent with my emotions. And uh. you know, anybody who knows about depression or suffer from it, I mean, it's something. It's 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 debilitating, and it's really difficult. But I've struggled my whole life with this. I have never really spoken about it. This is probably the first time I'm talking uh. about it live <laughs> on the radio. Um, but anyway, you know, it's, I know it's meant to come out because my story is uh, unraveling. And this is a time where people ask me the same question you just did. So, what are you doing? Do you go back and forth? And it's, yeah. And I'm not, I, I, I tell people my story because I'm hoping it's going to help others and let them know that I struggle from certain things, but I still find a way to make it through. And um, so, yeah, I mean, if boxing is home, is my boxing home in California where I train, and then when I'm here, it's more of a, 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 it's a different life here. I can enjoy my friends here more. I'm not as, um, scheduled and not as strict with myself here where I can kind of go out and everything. Well, I'm in California. I mean, it's, it's, it's training camp, and I love it. And the, the West Coast has a completely other vibe than, let's say, New York. The people are, I don't know if it's just me because I'm from New York as well, but when you're on the West Coast, it's like a, like a smoother, chill vibe where, I, I don't know if you get that too. Oh, are you, let me, I'm going to sum up to you and like, well, it might take me a minute, but yes, that's exactly what it is because in boxing, and again, I say for myself personally because I know everybody's different. I've always, I'm very in touch with myself and I'm very in touch with energy. And here in New York, there's a very intense energy, and I love it. It's invigorating. And but then when I go out to California, I have that New York energy that's with me. I was, it's, it's ingrained in me. It's, I was born and raised like this. So when I go out to California, I'm able to kind of relax a little bit more, so I can focus a little bit more, and I can sleep a little bit more. Here, I always feel like I got to do something because I'm in New York. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, since I've been here, I haven't stopped. I mean, I've been training light, you know. Um, but I've been training in the mornings and I go for a run in the evenings. But between the morning and the evening, I'm with my friends. I'm visiting people. I'm going out to dinner. I was at a an Irish pub last night listening to a live band play with a bunch of my girlfriends. You know, an Irish band, a Bronx Irish band. Uh-huh. You know, so it's it's been wonderful. And these are things I can't do when I'm in camp. So yeah. I've really, I'm really finding my balance. That's awesome. Now, I wanted to, I guess, kind of touch on how and why you got into boxing. What is it about it that attracted you? Um, you know what? I never knew anything about boxing. First time I ever saw boxing was Mike Tyson fighting Holyfield Deer. And then I, I was 15 or 16 years old. And then I didn't see it again. And then I, um, I, was there, I was 19 years old. And I mean, I grew up in the Bronx. And I, I was always a hot-headed person. And 
I played sports, but I never committed to anything. I didn't follow through. I had a very bad temper. Um, I, you know, I always challenged my parents, got kicked out of high school. just had a lot of emotion and anger, and I couldn't put it into one thing because I was always bouncing around from everything. And I found that team sports, not that I'm not a team player, but I was just super hard on myself. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't come to perform at, my, at the level I was performing, then I just couldn't, I couldn't play with you. Know, I couldn't work with people like that. So um, I, I found boxing, going to a gym actually. I was, I, I was in an abusive relationship. That's, I try not to tell people now that that's the only reason I got into boxing because it's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of things that led me to that moment. But I was in a relationship. At my, you know, uh, I was 17 years old and I was with this individual for, for about four years. And after the second year, he started to hit me. Um, I found out later on that he was taking steroids and he was having roid rages. And wow. I mean, it's, it's horrible, you know. And, and when you're hit, you know, at first, you, you love the person. So you think they're going to change. You think they're going to be different. And you think you're going to help them change or you're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And the cycle of steroid roid rages, I'm super familiar with all this, mm-hmm. it's an up and down cycle. So they have really very violent mood swings where they go up and they go down. And this individual, I mean, it was so bad that he, he punched me in my face and then I, I had to go to the doctor. I took myself to the doctor. I ran away from him. When I came home, he's sitting on my stairs crying. I mean, that's, that's crazy. And people are like, right. why'd you stay? I was 17 years old. Sure. I, I, was eight, I, I was scared. And I didn't want to tell my parents because you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. And when you're, when you're young, I mean, I have such, I mean, it, it's scary. When mm-hmm. you're a kid, you try to figure everything out and, you know, nobody can really help you. Right. So um, I walked into a gym and I started working out and um, I found that working out really helped me. And then I went to the back and there was a boxing ring and that when I hit the heavy bag, I found that it just took all my energies, my negative energies from growing up and getting into high school, all the anger that I had inside of me, I was able to just get it out and focus it on one thing. And I mean, everybody says you're, you're a natural athlete and I, I never knew that. I would never. If you asked me when I was like 21 years old if I thought I was a natural athlete, I'd look at you and laugh. <laughs> I'd say, no, you're kidding me, you know? But I am. I found out through the sport that I'm a natural athlete. It's been a gift. And, um, you know, I'm, I love it. And uh, I'm so blessed. And this just the sport saved me. So was was it like an outlet? It was an outlet. It was um, it was an escape for me. I think um, there were where there were times where it became unhealthy because I would just just stay in the gym because I didn't want to face life. You know, I was afraid to leave. I felt more comfortable in that ring than I felt outside of it. And there's times even now that I still struggle with that as a human being. You know, there's things you don't want to face, and boxing's been with me. You know, since I was 19 years old. So, you know, that's a long, that's 12 years. It's sure. a long time. Sure. And um, I'm kind of like, all right, real life is just getting better. It's getting better. And you're just kind of like, it's a balance. Life, they say life is not a journey. Life is not a, it's all about the journey, not the destination. It's so true. And life is a journey. Mm-hmm. And, and even now, I'm 31, and I was talking to friends here that have known me since day one, and they're like, wow, you've come a long way. You've done so much. And, and even strangers that I meet that I talk to, they're like, wow, you've done a lot. And, I'm just trying to live life and just trying to find balance and, and peace. That's all. But the thing is that a lot of people, when they hear your story and what you mentioned before, um, the depression and the abusive relationship and how this became an outlet for you, people can relate to that story because everyone at some point encounters depression, at some point yeah. is maybe in a relationship that is abusive. And if they see all the accomplishments, you've overcome all these obstacles then they can relate to that and say, well, I can use what she did as, as a guide, as a pattern, yep. as, as, a, as a manual to, yep. to use it in my life and get over whatever it is that I'm going through. 
And the fact that you speak about these things openly is brave and courageous on your part, in my opinion. Thank you. I, you know, it's, you know, it wasn't always easy, but when I, it was funny, when I hit 30, I started realizing some things, and what people said about me didn't matter. I mean, I always felt that way, but you know what? Nobody knows my struggles. Nobody knows what I go through. People always, since day one in boxing, when I first walked into a boxing gym, I was judged, you know, judged because of the way that I look. And I'm like, wow, you know, but really made a conscious effort not to do that with other people because we all somehow have some type of judgmental, you know, inside of us. We always wonder, and we don't know. We have to remind ourselves. You know, we don't know. You don't know what that person's going through. You don't know what that person struggles. You know, and, and people didn't know what my struggles were, and they still don't know what I go through. It doesn't, I, and I'm not weak. I'm very open about it, number one, because of what you said, um, to help other people, so that other people can look at it and use it in manual. And I, I even let people reach out to me on Facebook. I mean, anybody who's my Facebook friend that's reached out to me, I answer them back, especially when it comes to depression, because I want them to know, like, don't give up, because I've had some scary, dark moments in my life. And I wanted to give up plenty of times, and I didn't. And honestly, it was this sport that kept me going. When I need, It was my lifesaver. When I needed that rope to hang on to, boxing brought me back up because it's what I was. I felt safe with. And, and not many people understand why, how this sport could do that. But there's tons of athletes out there that, can probably, have, that probably have similar stories as me. And you know, that doesn't mean that you have to be an athlete to overcome depression. But you believe that there's something out there that can be your life raft. But you just have to believe in it and just stick to it and... and keep going with it and then look what happens you get world title shots you get you know all these opportunities promotional companies i've been a president of another company i mean all because i kept fighting i've heard this from other from other boxers a few weeks ago i uh interviewed uh george foreman and okay oh george is great yeah he's one of my one of my idols i his book god in my corner he is awesome. It honestly changed my life he is awesome and he made he made a connection and i was like that makes a lot of sense he told me that boxing mimics life in, in many ways. Kind of like what you said before about when you're in a team sport, you know, you're depending on, on your teammates to, for the success of the team, of the game that you're playing. But when you're a boxer, it's, it's all you in there. And you're in there and you're going round by round. Each round is an obstacle, so to speak. It's a challenge to yourself. And that's how he connected. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. And I can see why people who have overcome many different things reach out to boxing as, as an outlet because it, it yeah, limits life. And, and you know what? It's so funny because I never like I never thought I'd like it. I never thought I could do it. But for me, I think it was also because I had that little bit of a violent streak in me. I'm not going to say I did it. When I was a kid, I, I, I liked the fight. I liked it. I didn't look for it. But if it came to me, if I got the opportunity and it was there, I loved it. I don't know why. I was just, that's just how I was made. You know, um, and, but, you know, it's just, inter it's so interesting with this sport. I can't tell you, like, how the times I felt like, I thought I hated this sport. Just like life. You know, sometimes people, like, you get knocked down by life. This sport can knock you down. Then you get back up. And then, you know, it's a bittersweet relationship. It's so funny. And, um, but even now, I mean, and as we grow and mature as human beings, and as I'm, you know, I am in this sport, you learn. And it's funny, my manager has been with me since I'm 21. And he says to me, he's like, there's a growth and maturity about you now. It's different than it was last year. It's different than it was the year before. And I'm like, wow. You know what? And my spirituality, I mean, I met George Foreman. Mm -hmm. I went to a private interview that he did um, mm -hmm. when he came out with his book, God in My Corner. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually had a conversation with him, and we related. We both had a near-death experience. Mm -hmm. my, ex, my ex tried to strangle me, and he almost killed me. And I survived. And the last words that came out of my mouth when he was strangling me was, if it's my, God, if it's my time, take me. Mm -hmm. and, and, and 
George had a similar experience like that, but different, where he thought he was dying. Mm-hmm. He had near-death experience. And he just hugged me. And he goes, you know, and he just hugged me. And he said, I believe in you. I mean, George Foreman told me he believed in me. Right. It right. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. People say, oh, big deal. It, probably, it doesn't matter. Just those words coming out of the mouth of another human being right. helps you. Right. I tell people all the time, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, but I believe in you as a person. I believe every human being has a good soul and is a good person. They make mistakes and they go down long roads because I was that person. I went down really, I made poor decisions, went down really bad roads. But I, I know but people believed in me. And even in the sport, people believe in me. And right. it lifts you, and it helps you. Now, touching on that, if there's anything that, like, let's say if, if we could actually physically go back in time, is there anything that you think that you would do differently? You know, gosh, I mean, I, I can't say I would do things differently, but knowing, because it led me to where I am now, and they, it contributed to, to the understanding and the person that I am now. But there's definitely things, if I knew then what I know now, um... I probably, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I, yeah, I probably would have done things differently. I didn't understand. Um, I wasn't, um, and it wasn't just me, it was my team. We made mistakes as a team. And, um, you know, we, we, not just, I mean, if you, you're talking about boxing, I mean, in life, would I have done things differently? Absolutely not. In boxing, for my career, yeah, I probably could have done things a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But I am where I am, so I can't change it. So I try not to go backwards. But I look not to make those same mistakes in the future. Right, yeah, because I guess all those things that happened throughout your life define who you've become today, the, everything that happened in your life, whether it was good or bad. Exactly. Well, that's character building. I, I, it's funny because when I'm, when I'm down, when I'm really down, I'm just sitting there going, I'll say, oh, God gives me too much credit. And I'll just say, okay, this is just another test of character. It's a character building experience. And I'm like, just when I think my character isn't strong enough, you can trust me again. You know, but I'm like, you know what? It's okay. It's all right. You, you meet people. I mean, in everything. I wrote a blog. I, I, I still I, mean, I still try to contribute when I can, but it's been a while for 8-Count News. Mm-hmm. Brad Cooney's a good friend of mine, and I try to contribute when I can, but I always try to relate my boxing stories to life. So people that read them could not, not just boxing people could really understand. And it also helps, you know, the regular person who may not be a, a boxing you know, a aficionado that they would, they, they can relate to it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they'll look at it and say, oh, I, I get it now. Oh, maybe I'll get boxing. Maybe I'll start watching it. I've had tons of people comment like that on, on, my, on my, my writing. They're like, I started watching boxing because of you. They're like, thanks. <laughs> 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 now I'm addicted to it and I can't, it's frustrating me because it's, you're right. You're like, even the fan, even the fan, it's a bittersweet to the fan. It's, it's frustrating. Just the fans out there that, that, they're really, they're real hardcore fans. They say, oh, I don't understand it. This ticks me off the matchups, the promoting this. Imagine how the fighters feel. Sure. Believe me. It's not easy. And just when you think that person's taken care of, and I think that person's being all guided and everything, it's not as easy as they think that person's supposed to get up every morning and face the, the day and life. Yeah. <laughs> and everything that comes with it. Walk and punch in the face. <laughs> uh, speaking of getting punched in the face, do you remember that first professional fight? And what it was like um, to get hit? Yes. Oh, like it was yesterday. My first professional fight. I remember being in training camp, and I remember um, being in Dimitri Salida's training camp, because I was training with Hector Roker at the time. Mm-hmm. And Dimitri was Dimitri, Jorge Chiron, Edgar Santana, um, Miguelito Cali, and we were all up in the Poconos. And Amory Saccarado was with me for, for a week. Um, and she's a former world champion. And I remember I went up to Hector. Hector has a very interesting way of training people, and I yeah. tell people... If you don't know Hector Roca, you know, see, if you could survive a month with Hector Roca, you could probably survive two. But I don't know about three. But um, I survived seven years with Hector Roca. Uh-huh. But he, um, 
he, yeah, he, I, I remember asking him, I said, I said, Hector, I'm, ner- I'm not nervous, but how does it feel to get hit without the smaller gloves uh-huh. and no headgear? He goes, oh, you want to find out? And I was like, oh, well, I, you're going to find, well, I'll help you. So he puts me in the ring with Amory, puts 14-ounce gloves on Amory, takes my headgear off and has a spar. And he's telling Amory to hit me. And I know Amory told him back, because Amory's like, oh, my God, this girl has no headgear on. She's <laughs> never done this before. Amory was already a pro, you know, with experience. Uh-huh. I think she had, like, six fights. And I walked out of that ring. I mean, I moved my head. Let me tell you, I figured it out really fast. <laughs> my senses were so keen, uh, and I had lumps on my forehead, you know. I was like, okay. I mean, they were, they were just, you know, because I'd never been hit in the head before like that uh-huh. uh, without headgear. So then I went into the fight, and I remember being in the locker room, and he's putting my gloves on. At first, I took the, the wrap. The pro wrap is amazing. I said, oh, my God, it's like a cast. And, of course, he smacks me on my head and tells me to shut up. <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> then, he, um, then, he put, then I put my gloves on, and I'm, looking, I'm feeling the glove, and I'm like, whoa. And I started hitting the mitts with him. And I had a lot of media attention because of the movie, so I had sure. a, a camera crew in there from a TV, a local TV network, mm-hmm. and he's hitting the mitts with me. And I remember throwing a punch, and he looks at me, he goes, if you throw a punch like that, she's going to knock you out. <laughs> and I just sat there. I mean, literally, I'm walking. I'm about to walk into the ring in, like, minutes. Uh-huh. I just look at him. I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm like, okay. So I go, I walk to the ring, and I'm like, everybody's there. I'm excited. I'll tell you one thing. Me, I rise to the occasion. I, I don't get nervous. Uh-huh. I don't get scared. All I knew was, like, if I threw that punch wrong, this girl could knock me out. <laughs> well, I guess I can't even let her try. Uh-huh. So I threw, I threw, I mean, I don't even know what it was, but I knocked her out in 38 seconds. <laughs> Is that the most memorable moment in, in your boxing oh, career? Let me tell you something. When you read my book, because I'm writing a book, uh-huh. there are stories in my book that will have you, and you'll be on the floor. You'll be like, oh my God, are you kidding me? We have stories now. We've had corner, I mean, not just with Hector, but when I trained with Eros Gist, mm-hmm. when I was with Tommy Brooks, when I now, even now, only being with Joseph Janik for a year and a half, we have stories already. You know, things we've gone traveling to Mexico. I have tons of memories. I mean, that's... And you know what? They're so embedded in my brain, I know them. I can rattle them off with the time, the date, because I love what I do. And, and I, every moment I feel, I try to stay present. And um, I remember the good, the bad times, but the funny times is what makes me, draws me back when, I, when I'm like, you know, I'm feeling down. And I'm feeling like, oh, I'm tired, I'm worn. You know, whether it's life or boxing or whatever beats me up. I'm like, God, I miss those times. And we can have more of them. So let me get up and go. And you know, it helps me. When is this book uh, going to be out? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm working on it. And I also, I'm looking right now. I'm in the pu- I have a friend in publishing. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working on some connections with, um, you know, with some, pub- you know, some publishing companies. So I'm hoping it'll be, it'll be within the next, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a little while. But I'm hoping, you know, soon. Within the next two years, I'd say. You touched on this being an awesome career or being an amazing ride. If you weren't a pro boxer, what career path do you think you would have gone into? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I went to college, you know, and I was an English major, um, and I was actually, my parents didn't 
support my career very much. They didn't want me to be a boxer. And I, my, you know, I thought about law school. And then I actually took the NYPD um, police officer's exam. Oh, wow. And then I found out that I couldn't be a pro fighter and be a cop. So I had to choose one or the other. And I was an amateur at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I could have easily boxed amateur and, and stayed with the NYPD and had a you know great career there and everything. And, and I didn't. I chose to go pro. Um, do I regret the decision? No. Is it hard sometimes? Yes. Because, you know, I don't, you know, it's, it's struggle. You struggle financially, but most fighters have jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not be their career pet. They may not be, you know, practicing their, their lawyers or what, you know. I mean, Jackie Frazier, I mean, she didn't have an amateur career, but she was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. She had a law degree, and she's one woman that I definitely look up to. Mm-hmm. And, and how she went about her pro career. She fought, she had kids, she had a law degree, and she still did it because she wanted to. You know, and, and she, it was good for her. Um, but, I mean, she didn't have a very long career, but, uh, but everybody remembers when she fought Layla, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but for me, I guess I'm still kind of, I know what I want to do now with boxing because you need to work in box. You really can't just box full time. And I, I have, but I've also done a lot of other things. I've done reality shows. I've done TV gigs. I've done, um, you know, speaking events. I'm a motivational, inspirational speaker. So I, I do, I have made money doing other things. Um, but sports commentating is something that I think boxing has led me to, to kind of change my career because I don't know being a cop now can I still do it of course I'm like 31 I can still sure. do it if, if I wanted to sure. um, but I definitely am going to go back to school and I, I want to pursue more in uh, either sports business or um, uh, TV uh, definitely commentating sports commentating and uh, you know I've been on ESPN I speak fluent Spanish so I've done both English and Spanish so I'd like to pursue that now so boxing kind of Wow, that's awesome. You can attribute a lot of the different choices that you have to boxing, which is pretty awesome. It's a great sport. I love it. I grew up around it. I personally didn't have the skills, so, you know, those that can't uh, teach or talk about it. So. Yeah. So. But you know what? But it's people like you, honestly, like for myself, I, I think it's people like you and, and, and other the photographers out there. And mm-hmm. even the – I mean, just like the fighters struggle, I know that the people in the boxing media struggle too because those websites are not easy to run. And they're not—they're not cheap. Right. And I, I, you know, I, I worked with Brian Coney, and I know how much he worked on, you know, him and Ed uh, worked with Account News and getting sponsorships and things like that, you know. And I know it's not easy, and, and it's—but it's people like that that keep that you, like you and them, that keep the sport alive too, along with the fighters. Yeah, so it's, it's really a big community. You said you spoke—you speak Spanish. Yes, uh, I speak. It was my first language. Was I, it your yeah. first? Wow. So, growing up, did you feel more Irish? Did you feel more Mexican? Or, or what was that like? You know, it's funny. Because it's really, actually, it's a really good question. Because I get, I, ask, I get asked that a lot. Uh-huh. And it's not that I felt one or the other. Um, my family, my whole family on the Mexican side was in Mexico. Uh-huh. So, here in, in New York, I have my Irish family here. My father's side was all here. Uh-huh. So, my grandmother, you know, and they're both very strong um, Catholics. You uh-huh. know, I'm a Christian. Uh-huh. But they're very strong. I was raised Catholic. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, they were raised the church and having, you know, St. Patty's Day, the parade, you know, everything. So I, I had the best of both worlds. Um, definitely different cultures. I wasn't, um, my younger friends of mine, they were from Ireland, off the boat from, from County Cork uh-huh. and the Lawtons. And I grew up with them. So I really experienced it had it not been for them, I don't think I would have experienced my Irish culture to the extent that I did mm-hmm. and understand it. And I'm so I'm still friends with them till this day. I love them to death. They're like my second family. And um, so, but I have to say, with the Mexican side, going to Mexico 
I'm being submerged into the Mexican culture um, really, really left an impact on me. Um, speaking Spanish, um, growing up, you know, going to the tortilla factory to get tortillas, with, right. with, we had a nanny, you know, so it, it was like, we, I was submerged in it. I was there for months at a time. I studied, I went to school out there. I did sixth grade there in the summertime after I did sixth grade here in the U.S. So I read, write, and speak Spanish. Wow, that's awesome. Um, and it's, it's, I thank my mother. I hated her when I was a kid for it because I, I, would, I refused to speak it. That's awesome. And I think being from New York, New York City, or the boroughs, you're exposed in, in general just to so many different cultures, to, to diversity, and you can oh, adapt yeah. anywhere. I mean, you can go anywhere in the world oh, totally. and you adapt oh, yeah. easy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I grew up Italian. I grew up in the Bronx. It was, it was very, very, very much Italian and Irish when I was growing up. And um, so I had all my friends are Italian. I've sat down, you know, I've had the dinners with the seven course meals. You know, um, I've done, you know, Italian Christmases. I've even been around a lot of Jewish people. You know, my <laughs> former business manager, he's Jewish. Uh-huh. And I've, I've been to bar mitzvahs. I've been to temple. I've, you know, I, I've done all that. And, uh, you know, I, I really, it's been great. But I'm open to it. I think it depends on the person. Yeah. You know, you really right. have to be open and, and just like, okay, and receiving of it. Because some people just don't want to, and that's okay. Right. But right. I want to experience it all. I mean, I'm like, this is great. Like, this is life. And in boxing. I mean, it's, it's a melting pot in itself as well. Yeah. You know, so it's great. You sum it up really well. This is life. This is life. And, and, and we're all on this planet. We got to make the best of it together. Yep. Uh, that's, exactly. just, that's just the way it is. Which kind of brings me to my next question. When all said and done, how would you like history and boxing history to remember Maureen, the real million-dollar baby, Shay? <laughs> you know, um, I just hope that the decisions that I've made in my career, along with my team, or the decisions my team and I have made in my career and, and for myself, um, other women could kind of believe that they can make those decisions too and, and, and see that, you know, that you, you may be making, taking a risk and it may not be what the population thinks you should do, but if you really believe in your heart that you want to do this and push through and not listen to what other people say and how it may affect you in that moment, in the long run, it'll be better. Do it. Because I've made some, some sacrifices and I've made some decisions that people don't understand. And, you know, my team has a certain vision. And if you have a vision, believe in it and, and, and follow through with it. Um, because nobody else can share your vision because they don't have your eyes. 
So that's really what I want to leave, is, is to believe and, and, and understand that there's a risk. But as long as they're calculated, take the risk. Don't take the easy road. Don't take the road to say, oh, it's, that's easy. You know, it's okay. But everybody has a different journey. But follow your journey and, and do it to the best that you can. And, uh, you know, when it comes with that in regards to boxing, just being, for me, I just want to be remembered and respected for my character and what I what I did and what, I, what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do. There's more that I'm going to be doing. And I'm actually here in New York doing some stuff right now to get that ready. So, you know, um, just to be remembered as, I mean, a pioneer. I want to be up there. And I feel I am. Mm-hmm. I feel I am a pioneer in the sport. You know, um, I worked very, very hard. I've done promotions. I've done a lot of different things. So um, just to be remembered, so you know what? She did it, and I can do it too. That is awesome. For female and for male. Absolutely, absolutely. What's next for you? Uh, what can we see of you in the future, future fights? Oh, God, everything. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people wonder why I'm out of the ring. And I did a couple interviews, but I'll just say, you know, I had, um, I had some things go on earlier in the year where um, I won the uh, WBC interim world title in mm-hmm. December, and then I was um, sent for a mandatory with a girl from Germany, mm-hmm. and uh, my team was in. We were in negotiations with her for a purse, a purse bid, and uh, she bowed out. Um, they chose not to pursue the uh, uh, to fight us. Mm-hmm. So then, um, I, I then came another another uh, point was brought to my attention. Uh, on three weeks' notice, they wanted me to go to Canada and fight for for forty five hundred dollars, which is mm-hmm. really absurd to me. That's less than what I was for when I won the title. Right. And, and you know, I'll say it publicly. I don't care. Um, and I was also in negotiations with the girl from Germany for twenty five percent more than that forty five hundred. So. I wasn't about to go to Germany, to, I mean, go to Canada to fight somebody for less money for what, when I could make more going somewhere else. And is it about the money? No, it's not about the money, but at the same time, it's about my self-worth. Sure. And my self-worth is, is important, and I want to go forward. And so, um, you know, there were some things done, and I, I really don't know why they, they chose not to have me fight for the full title anywhere else and had the girl from Germany fight for the full title, and I kept the interim title. And then I had some fights fall through um, in April and May, and I got, actually, I got sick in May, uh, I went into over, I had like an overtraining syndrome, oh. and, uh, cause things were bouncing around, it was just getting a little crazy, and, uh, I couldn't fight May, and then the WBC, uh, they vacated my title, which it say, I said, okay, you want to strip me of it, or whatever, I mean, at this point, I'm extremely proud that I won the title, sure. but it's a business, and, um, things need to be done a certain way, and me and my team, I'm, I mean, I'm at peace with it, am I happy about it, no, was I bothered by it? Absolutely. But um, we also have a certain vision that we're looking to, to move forward with. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I know I'm kind of happy that I don't have to kind of, you know, short notice and sure. this and that. It's a little crazy. Sure. If you're going to give me, if you're going to have me fight for a world title, give me a six-week notice or give me a four-week notice and tell me. And then give me what I'm worth. You know, that money can't even pay my, you know, sure. <laughs> month expenses or month, two months expenses for me. What's that going to do? You know, I'm not looking to, you know, make millions right now, but I mean, come on. You know, that was a little crazy. Right. But I get a little bit annoyed when I even talk about it because I'm just like, Cause, you know, when everybody does me, oh, yeah, how come they're not fighting? What's going on? And then he said, she said, and right. I've had people come to me and ask me what's going on. I'm like, you know, it's really, sometimes the sport will really be up. And I'll be honest, it didn't break my spirit, but it really, ugh, it made me tired. And then I said, you know what, I need to put my focus into something. And I said, I'm still working out, but you know what, I think what this is telling me is that I need to focus right now on making my dream come true of being bicoastal and, and really settling because it's important for my family so I'm here with my parents trying to help them out as well. So going back and forth now is going to be easier for me and um, I'm going to be going back to California in, uh, in November and starting a training camp and I will have a date um, you know, in, in, in the next few weeks 
as to, uh, you know, when I'm going to be back in the ring and where. And uh, that's it. I, I put up a Facebook post. I let everybody know I'm not done. But, you know, awesome. I'm never done. I always disappear for a little while, but I always, I'm always doing something. So, <laughs> that's you know, awesome. Like, what you doing now? But it's just, it's just crazy. And, and I believe in the people knowing. They, they should be allowed to know what's going on. And, and, you know, if anybody asks questions for me, you know, as far as that goes, why aren't you fighting? You know, I'm, I'm going to be. But right now, it's you got to take care of you. And that's the one thing in the sport. You know, at the end, when it's over, I, I still know be with me. And I still got to make sure I'm okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have a, a website? I know on Twitter, your fans can follow you at twitter.com slash Maureen Shea. Yep. And um, I have an Instagram uh, also. It's Maureen underscore Shea. Um, the website right now, we're still working on it. It's almost up. Uh, we, had to, we had some stuff going on. So we're working on that. It's going to be SheaBoxing.com. We have that. But right now, if you go on there, I don't know if, if the old one is up. But we're working on that. And then Facebook. I can't accept. I have my personal page. I also have a fan page, which um, I have a member of my team updates that for me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll go on there and post some stuff. But my personal page, people can subscribe because I'm at my limits, a friend. Mm-hmm. But you can subscribe to my page, write me messages, I answer everybody back. Um, you know, and, and email me. And I will definitely um, answer everybody back. What's the Facebook page? Or is it just Maureen? Mo- if they just look for Maureen Shea. They'll find my fan page, and they'll find athlete, and then they'll find my personal page. But it's uh, Maureen Shea, too, I believe. Fantastic. I want to tell everyone to follow her on Twitter, twitter.com slash Maureen Shea. Uh, look for her on Facebook. And Maureen, I want to thank you for your time. This was this was awesome. I really appreciate it. The fans, I think, are going to very much enjoy this interview. All the best. You are a true inspiration. Uh, you are a pioneer of, of women's boxing, without a doubt. And we're very grateful for, for you taking the time to, to speak to Thank us. Thank you so much, Robin. I really appreciate it. It's great talking to you. What a fascinating individual uh, Maureen Che is. And uh, again, definitely uh, give her a follow on Twitter at twitter.com slash Maureen Shea. And also on her Instagram, if you guys are on Instagram. And I think nowadays everyone is on Instagram. I think I have to be the only person that isn't on Instagram. But I may... I may, um, you know, give in and and join Instagram. I use I use uh, TwitPic for for Twitter pics and stuff like that. But you can follow her on Instagram at Maureen underscore Shay, and uh, or or look for look for her on Facebook at her fan page or subscribe to her personal page. I want to thank everyone for for tuning in. Uh, we have lots and lots of great interviews lined up for the rest of the year. And if you have uh, suggestions or if you have a guest that you'd like for us to get in touch with and bring on the show, definitely reach out. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Robert Aguilar. And Aguilar is spelled A-G-U-I-L-A-R. Or if you're on Facebook and you're not a Twitter person, uh, then you can go to facebook.com slash Rob Aguilar Radio. That's A-G-U-I-L-A-R. So it's facebook.com slash Rob Aguilar Radio and you can uh, give me a follow there and interact with us. We also have on this network we also have two, well actually one other main show that we do, the Rob Aguilar Show and we have uh, we've been working on a lot of those episodes going, we got a lot of funny things I think that you guys are are going to enjoy so definitely uh, stay in touch with me via Facebook, via Twitter so that you can be up to date with all that fun stuff that we're doing so i want to thank you all for hanging out for tuning in and 
please stay tuned. We have lots more podcasts in the works. Well, here's the split decision where we talk about everything that's boxing and MMA related. So I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Muchas gracias. Muy buenas noches.